It has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network, where we serve our American tradition with Gary Ray. In our program, you will hear firsthand the personal accounts of heroes whose unselfish actions have contributed to the traditions and values that represent the soul of America. You'll also hear from our partners and affiliations presenting news events and ways that our veterans and their families can rebuild their lives. Now, here is Gary Ray. Today is October 24th, 2017. Good morning and welcome to the American Heroes Network Radio. As always, my co-host is Lieutenant Colonel Bill Forbes, U.S. Army Retired. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Gary, and as always, it's great to be with you. All right, I appreciate that, Bill. You know, before we get uh, introduce our guests, uh, Bill always has a little news article for us about every day being Suicide Prevention Day. Bill? Well, Gary, uh, that's for sure. We, and we want to continue to uh, highlight uh, suicide prevention awareness. It's just not for one month, but every day. And I ran across a story here involving uh, a, a group of uh, uh, veterans who served together in, in Iraq. And it's, uh, it's the veterans banding together to combat suicide. Now, Gary, when these guys served together in, uh, in Iraq, uh, they had 10 combat deaths on the battlefield. Since these guys have returned to home and community, 13 of their members have taken their own lives by way of suicide. Wow. Uh, that, that, and we've seen this uh, even with we, Vietnam. We talk about the entire number we lost on the battlefield, and here it is that our Vietnam-serving uh, veterans have uh, uh, um, taken their lives in greater numbers on the, uh, at home than they did when we were on, on, on the battlefield. So these guys got together and said, Let's do something about this. And the leader of this group is Danny O'Neill, who's in Folsom, California. And he says, together we can do this. And they're really pushing hard on this. So they want to show uh, in Folsom, and uh, the, uh, the uh, person that's uh, the uh, host of that show uh, asked those guys to take a um, a pledge, and mm-hmm. that pledge, uh, Gary, what it amounts to is that that no member of this group will take their lives without talking to each other before, so that they can be worked with and uh, avoid any more suicides after they've returned home. I think this is amazing because we always talk about veterans helping veterans and what better way with battle buddies who are now on the home front, at home and community, uh, working as hard as they can to prevent uh, uh, any more suicides amongst the group. So I thought this is a a very uh, interesting story, and it's... uh, Again, veterans helping veterans. Yes, that's great. That's great. I appreciate that. And we'll have to have more of it. And, you know, it being next month, next month's coming just in a couple of days, and that's uh, Veterans Day. Yes, that's sir. It's going to be a, spe- a special month for sure. Okay. Now, let's get on with the show. Bill, why don't you introduce our guest? Well, Gary, indeed, it's a pleasure and an honor. We've got two great individuals here today. And uh, we're going to reintroduce again Anthony J. Cancellosi. We know him as Tony, and Tony has, is a very busy person. He's been the president of an organization called ICL, which is an international software company, and the chief executive officer of several for-profit companies. Tony served as the Chief Operating Officer for Key Systems, now known as Sylvan Learning. Tony worked in sales for Control Data Corporation. His nonprofit experience includes International Center for the Disabled, 
National Kidney Foundation, and Special Olympics. Tony serves on the board of directors for the District of Columbia Police Foundation, Providence Health Foundation, and is President Emeritus of the Association for Corporate Growth. Tony is a member of the Wharton Club, Leadership of Greater Washington, and the Rotary Club. Tony became a Knight of Malta and graduated from the FBI, that's the Federal Bureau of Investigations, Citizens Academy. Tony also remains a partner at Human Capital Advisors, and in 2013, he was awarded the Lido Civic Club of Washington, D.C. Man of the Year. In 2005, excuse me, 2015, uh, the District of Columbia Council member uh, awarded him the Community Cornerstone Award. Tony has also been on our program a number of times. Tony, welcome again to the American Heroes Network. And Gary, you uh, have the honor of introducing our second guest. All right. Welcome, Tony. Thank you very much. All right. We also have with us John Jerome, President and CEO for uh, uh, Heroes Care. They have a very unique program that consists of a network of tens of thousands of trained caregivers and thousands of professional mental health care and service providers working together to provide a unique system and support for military members and their families. They were on just a little a couple of weeks ago, and if you missed that last show, be sure to listen to the archive show on the AmericanHeroesNetwork.com or iTunes, which aired October 10th. The last show, we touched on a very unique program that John's team developed that not only could help every nonprofit organization, but also build and strengthen every community nationally with unlimited resources. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Now, before we learn more about John's program, can each of you give us, our audience, a quick snapshot summary of our, your organization's mission uh, for servicing the needs of veterans? Sure. Uh, if you want me to start? Sure. Uh, it's Tony Cancelosi. Um, our organization, the Columbia Lighthouse for the Blind, uh, started in 1900, and so we just celebrated our 117th year. And one of the things that in the last several years that we've been really emphasizing was to train veterans, both visually impaired and blind and other disabilities and non-disabilities, into jobs and opportunities within the scope of our federal government contracts to have real careers and get some real experience, but learn some skills that they could have sustainability in the future in any other job that they want to get into. Our commitment has been very strong. Uh, We've had several major grants that have trained veterans uh, in areas of uh, compliancy, 508 compliancy, digital data scanning, contract closeouts, and these are all contracts that we have with the federal government, and we employ quite a few uh, visually impaired and blind veterans. So our commitment is to create and have sustainable jobs for the future of our veterans that are coming back and our veterans that exist today. All right. Thank you. John? Yeah, John Jerome, uh, President and CEO of uh, Heroes Care. Uh, we started in 2003 uh, with care packages and started to find other problems and situations that were arising during deployments. Um, as we evolved and started taking on different uh, situations. Um, our primary goal was during a deployment emergency assistance for the families back home. What we encountered was the same routine problem that occurred over and over and in 2009 directed our mission to getting in front of problems. So we now uh, actually partner and collaborate with uh, several other charities uh, in order to provide uh, a one-on-one approach to Uh, care of the spouse or the mother uh, of a deployed service member. Uh, When they deploy, they sign up their most important person. We assign one of our volunteers to check in on that person each week during the deployment. That volunteer, if they encounter any problems or something that goes wrong, they notify us, and then we write the check in order to fix it if the service member can't afford it. 
that volunteer stays with that spouse for the year of the deployment and two years afterwards to work through the reintegration. Uh, since 2009, we know of 36 suicides that we've intervened on, and we've been able to uh, provide, uh, through our partners, uh, free marriage counseling for over 450 of those families. Um, the success rate that we have is, is something that can't really be measured other than in the fact that you know, we have... Um, uh, we have encountered no one in, in the program so far that uh, that has taken their lives because we've been there and they've been able to reach out and it, to, to touch organizations like Tony's um, in order to find the the information and and what they need as services. All right. So, John, your response pretty much is a segue into the first question that I offer both of you, and maybe you might come, want to come back again with some more of what you've just said. But my, the, 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 the question was, was to identify some of the pressing needs or deficiencies of services that is a challenge for our veterans in the communities. And, Tony, uh, uh, why don't you take that one? And, sure. and especially... You know, in general, but also emphasizing dealing with the uh, the uh, uh, the blind veterans in the in the community. Sure, I think the, one of the problems that has always been existing is how do we do outreach to bring the veterans in? What is the message that we give to the community of veterans to say, "Here's an opportunity. Let us show you the opportunity." And but when the gets down to it. Do we show them a good opportunity? So we really have to have some very strong outreach messaging to attract the veterans. In our case, for visually impaired and blind veterans, we really advertise the fact of apprenticeship programs that they can be trained in sustaining jobs, earning good income, double more, double minimum wage and so forth, but it's giving them a new direction and a lot of the times we find ourselves that if we don't have that outreach to attract them to understand what we're talking about when it becomes a career for them to be employed at a, a very good salary, by the way. But that outreach is one of the biggest issue, issues is how do we get these messages out there? That's true. And who do we collaborate with to make that messaging synergistic across the board? John, can you follow up on that? Yeah, I have to add to that. Uh, our our military members that are are active components, um, they have a very tight knit base uh, structure of support. When we're talking about our guard, reserve, and our veteran population, they're back out in the generic normal everyday life of society there is no support network for them in all of these rural communities where they live or where they go back home to in the case of what we're talking about here with with, with Tony's situation is he could have the best program but unless I the person who's talking to him knows that program how do we how do we connect that dot if we have a, a food pantry in nowhere Missouri or nowhere California or rural Idaho, and that person's helping a veteran, and they say, hey, I have a veteran, but I don't know what other resources there are out there for them. I don't know how to connect that dot. And that's where what we've done with what we're going to be talking about later, the inReach Network, is allowing all of the charities that wish to participate, the capability of finding the resources, finding that other charity that is doing great work in their community, whether on a national level or on a zip code level. When they find that veteran or find that that individual that needs help, how do we connect the other dots of their problem? Each person that goes to a food pantry has more problems than just needing food for that week. They need a job. They need help with their children. They need a car seat. They need all of these things that charities are doing, but we as, as a charity community don't know how to reach out to each other or to find each other because it's just too difficult to keep everybody's business card. Mm-hmm. 
I think it gets also that we have to treat the whole veteran. We just can't take one segment and say, we're going to do this. But it's a combination of what you just said, John, of everything that has to be molded together. But connecting to other agencies and other organizations to really create solving the problem with a lot of the veterans and their questions, we as nonprofits and other organizations have to get together to kind of come up with these common messaging and outreach that it's all synergistic to the veteran and not scattered or confusing because it can become very confusing with so many different organizations coming out of veteran and advertising. It becomes very confusing. So in some cases, overwhelming to the veteran that needs help. Right. What what I think I'm hearing from you both uh, is that information is power. And that's what we have got to be able to place in the hands of our veterans. Uh, You know, uh, there's such a void of information in our veterans community. And as both of you have heard me say before, if you don't know, you don't know, you don't know how to navigate the system. That word networking, which can bring things together, the, the, the power that exists in both of your organizations, as to how that can change that around. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. I think... Sure, sure. Go ahead, okay. Tom. That's okay. I guess in our case, it's that we've tried to create programs and outreach and messaging through the power of our people who, in most cases, are veterans talking to veterans and talking to them about the programs that we've created. Uh, I can give you one example uh, with United Way, um, we got a grant from United Way to train veterans on a program called 508 Accessibility. And through that, United Way said, well, look, how are you going to do this and so forth and so on. And so we said, well, first of all, we're going to create a data center that we can create information on the training and how it exists in the future and today. And so we created that and set up a data center, which we still have today, where we can train veterans on accessibility training for 508 for the federal government. That program gave a lot of confidence to the veteran community that here was something that if they were interested, could get trained, get a job, but more importantly, have something, and I said this before, sustainable. And so that partnership with United Way worked perfectly for us. So it's finding the right partners to create these things also. And what we're doing with um, uh, our collaborative uh, software that we're, uh, the InReach, the Heroes Care InReach Network, is we're automating a lot of these search engines. Um, Each charity that participates fills out a profile of what they do and who they do it for, whether it's at one food pantry that does a zip code or whether it's an organization like Tony's that works nationally. Each one of them now, we all know how to reach out and touch the right person at that organization. We know who that person is that if we need that help, if if that service member needs that particular service, we know how to reach them and we can do it by simply sharing the existing file that we have. Um, a lot of times what we end up with is a service member that um, they're provided six or seven phone numbers to call to find, let's call it their, their, a food pantry. Even civilians have the same situation where they're provided six or eight phone numbers and said, here are the food pantries that are available in your area. They call, they tell their story six or eight times. Normally by about the third time they quit. And that's where what we're doing with the software is engaging all of the charities to say who they are, how they are, and giving us a real-time collaborative networking of of resource directory and allowing us to be able to transfer an existing file, ask them for help. They can say yes or no based upon their charity's standard operating procedures without having to have the service member call that organization. If we have a situation where we need to get a hold of Tony, 
we can transfer that file to Tony, and Tony, when he gets back from his conference, can look at that file and say, yes, we want to help that service member, or no, we can't. But they can reach out to that service member and offer their services. All right. Now, are there issues that uh, the organizations have? In, in collaboration? I, I, yes. think Tony would, I think Tony would agree. There's a, there's, I think uh, the last time I checked, there was over a million charities okay. in the United States. <laughs> right. you know, wh- how can any person, any charity, know all one million of them? Um, uh, a great one is uh, Folds of Honor. Um, they do uh, uh, educational grants for Gold Star children, and you know that have lost their parent in in combat. Right. Uh, how how does everybody know about that? How does that food pantry in nowhere Idaho know that this is a Gold Star child and that they can get an educational grant from that organization? It's impossible for us as charities to broadcast our, our, our message and what we do on a national basis. And that's what the software is designed to do, is to allow us to, to talk to the boots on the ground, talk to the person who is actually talking to that service member, talking to that person in trouble, and finding the resources through the directory. Well, that's so, valuable. John, are we essentially talking about the possibility uh, of of being able to establish a registry of uh, charities to make that information more available. Correct. Uh, basically, all participants. Uh, simple two hundred and fifty dollars a year charge puts you into the directory, puts you into the network, and not only allows you to receive referrals, but also to look up help for the people you're helping with. You know, the software is designed for. What a, for everything that a charity wished to have. Um, I came from a background that was not charity-oriented. Uh, I was not a military background. I have none. What I encountered were frustrations in, in how do we collaborate? How do we talk to each other? How do we keep everybody um, and, and understand who's who? And as soon as you know an organization, the individual you know leaves that organization. Well, now who do I talk to? So just the, the real-time access, real-time situations. Um, in the charity world, um, I could receive a, a United Way grant for $10,000 to pay utility bills. When I, I announce that, and people send me everything for their utility bills. We, we use up that $10,000. The rest of the world right. understands we pay utility bills, but the money's already gone. Right. So now I have to tell folks, no. Within the software, all it is is a click of a button, and the, refer- the referrals stop until I re-beef up that fund. Okay. The whole idea is to make it a real-time, capable situ- situation where we all know how to reach each other and what we're capable of doing at that specific time. Mm-hmm. John, you make a very good point in the sense that when we really work with a veteran who's visually impaired or blind, their expectation level starts to go up as we give them more training, travel training, orientation, mobility, and then we get into the actual training. But if there's something that happens along the way with that veteran, it becomes a stumbling block. So what you're talking about is you have things built into your system that prevents some of those stumbling blocks of blowing up. The service member is never told no. Exactly, because that's the because we're we're real time. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. And the way that the system is designed is for every organization, whether it's the food pantry, whether it's the person who does transportation, and the list goes on and on. Um, it, and and these are some things that they're not direct. Um, how many veterans courts are there in the country? What counties have them? These are systems and, and programs that if we don't know that they're in those counties, how do we know we can refer this, the, the situation where the veteran can get out of their legal problems due to PTSD, TBI, put them in the special care of these military uh, 
veterans courts and give them a way out of their situation. While they're in that veterans court system, how do we get him a suit? How do we get him housing? How do we use the SSVF money from the VA? Well, we get him housing. How do we find him furniture? All of these are stair steps. Within the software, we're able to connect these dots real time and set up a game plan from getting him to veterans court, getting him to housing, getting him into job. How do we do his budget? How many charities do budget classes? These are things that we all need to have, but how do we know who that person is for that specific veteran? If they have a specific need, such as being blind. There, Tony's program is perfect. Until you guys introduced me, I had no idea that his program existed. And we're, we're in 23 states. <laughs> that, that's interesting, John. And, and, and for both of you gentlemen, you both share a platform that I think that what we're talking about today can be launched further. And uh, I'm going to reveal that, that both of you are involved in programs with the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs at the local level, at the, uh, uh, at the uh, Veterans uh, 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 Medical Centers, you, John, in, in, in uh, St. Louis, and Tony in Washington, D.C. And it seems to me that those are beautiful launch points for what we're talking about today to get this out throughout the system. If we just use the VA system with those hospitals around the country, what do you think about that, Tony? I think it's a great idea. I think um, our last board meeting we talked about how do we integrate with other organizations, i.e. through technology, so that we have more information. Uh, and that's the big thing, having more information. Um, we struggle sometimes by not getting enough information so that we can really do our job with our visually impaired and blind veterans. And we also have an issue with uh, aging veterans, too with vision loss, and some of them still want to work. So we've got to accommodate some of that, too. But getting and having accessibility to not, uh, information is crucial. And how do, we, how do we network organizations like the VFW, the American Legion? Uh, they have veteran service officers that probably are specialized. They're, they're very good at doing yeah. uh, Agent Orange claims. Well, the individual that's doing the Agent Orange claim has also got a post-9-11 veteran because they're geographically close to each other. Right. So we get assigned a VSO that is geographically close to that veteran, but they can't specialize. Whereas if we use it, for instance, the VSO that does post-9-11 is in Idaho. Within the software... The, the American Legion, VFW, and VetPost, they can intake the application, say this is a post-9-11 veteran, and transfer that information electronically just by a press of a button to the person in Idaho who then works the claim. How much easier is that going to be for the VA when it comes to processing claims? Oh. They're done more efficiently. They're, they're done the first time correctly because the person knows what he's doing. The idea here is that the goal of Heroes Care is to incorporate not only military charities, but to bring civilian charities into this assistance. Since 9-11, there has been reported by the IRS upwards of 44,000 charities, military charities that were created. I would estimate that over half of them no longer exist. I agree with you. Uh, when uh, in the first part of, of the, the conflict, uh, there was a group called America Supports You out of the Pentagon, and they had a website of all of the charities that were doing things for, for veterans. And within six months, the links were no good because the charity no longer existed. And what we're doing with the software, the InReach platform, is requiring each of the charities to update their profile, what they do every month, and say, we're still in existence, we're still doing the same thing. If I, an employee changes, or my, my contact person changes, or we change the name of the organization, we're going to change it in our profile, and everybody will know it. 
everybody that, that tries to send us a referral knows that we don't do that right now. We don't have the funding. Or if I expand my mission and I, and I go into something else, all I have to do is click that button in the system and everybody using the software knows it. The minute that I click that button and save it. Gentlemen, do you think the awareness of this networking that we're talking about now gets the publicity uh, that it needs? Uh, I, I, what kind of a tool do you think this would be, say, for employers, uh, you know, at large, uh, of, of, of using this process and, and being able to uh, uh, work with veterans in the community for employment? Well, I think it's a great tool because one of my biggest struggles is finding the veterans that want to work. And, you know, recruiting is very big in what I do because I have to recruit all the time. Uh, in the community, I'd also recruit people that work on our staff. But I think it would be a superb tool for us to do recruiting and announcing and promoting job opportunities for veterans. And, and the way that the system is designed is when the, the service member or the civilian makes an application through, through that food pantry in Nowhere, Idaho, that food pantry, all they have to do is say, hey, are you looking for a job? And all they have to do is click on employment and say, what, what do we do first? Well, we're looking for a veteran's employment program. You click on it, and all of them that that meets his criteria, whether he has a, a VA disability percentage, whether he's in a certain geographic area, a certain state, that all of the list of the veteran programs that service that individual based upon his questions come up as a list. That food pantry then says, here is the list of everybody that says that they can help you. Who do you want to talk to? Well, I would like to talk to uh, Columbia Lighthouse. They click on the button, and his file shows up on their desk that very second. Then Tony calls them and says, well, this is what we offer. Yes, you meet our criteria. Okay, let's get this underway. And we're able to use not only the, the military charities as a recruiting tool, but we're able to use civilian charities as a recruiting tool. And to find these veterans that are homeless finding the veterans that are struggling, the ones that are underemployed. Because if they're going to a food pantry, they're going to need something. Well, let's try to get them a, a better job. What about his education? He has GI benefits. Right. All they have to do is what kind of, of a degree do you want? They click on the degree, and a list of everybody who provides that degree shows up. And he, who do you want to talk to? Click on the button, hit engage, and it shows up on that organization. John, you know, one of the interesting pieces in Heroes Care that uh, it continues to stick in my mind, and you describe that so eloquently, is that the family support mechanism that uh, I've heard you speak about that. Uh, talk, talk to our listening audience about that. Well, uh, what we found in situations, especially with the military, is they're comfortable with the battle buddy. They're comfortable. They have to be, you have to prove more to them that you are not just a charity to, to give them something and leave. Give them something and leave. You have to stick with them. And that's where staying with the wife, checking in on them every week during the deployment, giving the wife a place to vent, giving her a place to say, hey, I need help with this, builds that trust. When they come back and they see that that, still, that person is still committed for another two years and are working through that reintegration, the trust level comes up. The design of the software and why we had to do this is we have 632 outposts in 23 states. It is impossible for us with, within our own organization to know what resources each outpost has. Uh, we just had one in Ohio that we had a, a service member, National Guard, deployed in, in Afghanistan for three weeks. Wife says the roof's leaking. They had a roofer at their disposal. They sent the roofer. Roofer went out and said, it's not the roof, it's the siding. What color would you like it? We're putting it on free. 
those are the type of things that if we bring the assistance to a local, bringing in the existing resources that are already there, how much more effective is each charity going to be and how much of an impact are we going to have on that service member's life that we can start changing these numbers of suicides. We can let them know that their community is involved. They are not alone. Hmm. I can add something to that also, and what we do uh, is when we identify a veteran who is visually impaired or blind and some of the training that they have received, what we do is we go right into their home, meet the family, give them the opportunity to know that we're going to be there to help orient him or her in the environment, but also make them feel comfortable that they're going to be trained in order to get to work, get home, and be safe. Uh, And we do this pretty much on all of our uh, potential employees, that we make sure that they've got the skills to travel, to uh, work the technology, and to train fully, because, and and we involve the family with it, so that the family, in fact, in some cases, when we go into the home, they don't have a talking microwave. They get a talking microwave. Uh, it's a little hard to get a talking refrigerator, but they, they exist. Uh, but we show the veteran that they can do more. They can even learn how to cook. And some, some of the individuals have not reached the point of doing more than just maybe getting up and walking around. So we, we work with the family in the homes also. And, and I, I, I don't want to speak for you, Tony, but wouldn't it be fantastic to know that you could find somebody within that community that you could partner up with oh, yeah. and say, hey, um, I need um, a ramp put in. I need a, this put in. Or wh- who's, who's the, the VFW that we can, or American Legion Post or AMVET Post, that we can get connected to this guy so he's not by himself? Right, absolutely. You know, let's get him out of the house. Let's get him engaged. But we as charities don't have that capability because the nation is too big. But all of these local resources are wonderful to tap into. We as these these organizations like Tony and ours is is how do we how do we reach these people? How do we get to the VFW? How do we get to that American Legion post? Who is the person that we need to talk to? Because we're dealing with, since 2009, our organization has had over 19,000 requests for assistance. So the just the, the volume of people coming to us makes it difficult. But when we partner with these other 632 community resources, we now have that capability. We now have that who's going to check in on them locally? Who's going to be our eyes and ears? And being able to give all charities this resource and to give uh, a charity that doesn't really reach out to other organizations because they're the food pantry in nowhere, Idaho, and that's what they do. But when they have the capability of clicking a button and finding out and discovering, hey, we can send this guy to a resume writing. Right. We could network this guy with a, a cancer support center or a domestic violence center. You know, how, how many people give away automobiles, whether it's to civilians or to military? Wouldn't we love to know, hey, we just got this guy a job. Who's the charity that gives away automobiles? And would our guy qualify it? Right now, we call, you know, we do just what they do, a Google search, find automobile giveaways, and we call them and say, here's my service member, this is the situation, this is, can you give him a car? No, he doesn't qualify for our, our, our program. We've now spent 10 to 15 minutes talking to that charity when the software can say he doesn't qualify to begin with. Right. John, how does a how does a uh, resource uh, qualify to get onto the program? All they have to do is provide a free service to civilians or military. If you provide a free service, then you can join the network. All right. How come they're not standing in line? Uh, the we're getting the word out now. The system goes. <laughs> we've been using the software 
for the past year and beta test. Uh, it actually goes live January 15th. All right. That's what I wanted to hear. Any, anyone listening that would like to, to get a, a demonstration, as soon as I'm off this call, I'm giving another demonstration to a group out in California. Um, we can do the demo of it and uh, simply just contact me at president at heroescare.org. And that's H-E-R-O-E-S, care, C-A-R-E dot org. All right. All right. So, Bill? Well, Gary, I, I, this has been quite interesting, and uh, I'm hoping that this is the launch of, of, uh, of making a change and an impact in our, in our veterans community. Uh, is just so many things that can be done to relieve the frustration and the anxiety and knowing how to navigate the system. Uh, and, and, and I think we couldn't have not uh, uh, select two great organizations such as what we have today uh, to, 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 to start this. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping uh, collectively and individually we can launch this today and it, uh, and it makes a, a significant change in our veterans community. Oh, yes. You know, I think Bill will agree with Bill will agree with me that uh, going on. We've been doing this for going on six years, as far as the American Heroes Network, and uh, we this is we've always dreamed of something happening where organizations would work together, the good ones nationally, and there was nothing out there. It seems like everybody was jealous of each other, or you know, mm-hmm. they just they just didn't couldn't handle it working with other organizations. Um, I ran across uh, one that I'm not going to mention a name, but I said, can't you work together? And first thing out of her mouth was, uh, well, I'm not going to give up my donations. No one asked to give up donations. <laughs> so in other words, when there's this, a program such as this that happened, and when I ran across uh, uh, John here, uh, it just blew me away. Do you remember my, my voice when uh, you told me about it, right, John? Yeah. It was, how do you, how do you get charities to work together? And, you know, it's, it, again, without having a charity background, you know, I wasn't formally trained in, in charity. This was from the heart. And from the heart was, well, your organization already has contact with a service member here. I have the resources. Here you go. And it was, it was foreign in the St. Louis metropolitan area for somebody just to give you something without expecting something back. And we have that reputation. In the partnerships with MSCCN and with Given Hour, we're the boots on the ground. We're the person one-on-oneing, and they need that. They need how, how can they recruit people to use their services. Or if I give a service member a business card that says, if you're going to commit suicide, call me, the service member is going to throw it away. You know, it'll be in their back pocket. Nobody thinks of that at the time somebody hands them the card. But we have the boots on the ground that says, yes, he's in trouble. We need your help. And they have received more than more than 36 phone calls. So like I said, we've used Given Hour over 450 times just for free marriage counseling. And that's what keeps their organization in partnership with us is that there's no expectation. We're not trying to take their donors. We're not trying to tell them what to do. We're just saying, you have the resource that I need. Here, here, let me hand this off to you. All right. Well, gentlemen, the, you know, I, I, I think we've discussed uh, and covered a lot of solutions that we can probably uh, emphasize a little bit more. But, you know, I, I often raise a rhetorical question, and I think sometimes that this shouldn't be rhetorical, but the answer should be able to be provided. And is you know, in, in the conflicts and the wars that we're involved in, the question comes to mind, what is the cost of war in terms of human capital? And I think the, the, these suggested solutions or directions that we've talked about today is a move towards trying to resolve uh, of what that cost is in terms of of, uh, of human uh, 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 capital, uh, 
suicides, family issues, uh, employment, you name it. We've got to be able to come up with solutions, and we've got to be able to have that information accessible where our veteran community can come in and utilize it to benefit them. And to have somebody guide them through that turmoil. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that hour is really going fast. <laughs> and I told you that when when we start talking about it, it just it just flies by. What I'd like to do, uh, I want to thank both of you gentlemen for being on the air with us. And and each of you, I, uh, let's start with Tony. Tony, what would you like to share with our listeners in closing? Well, I think one of the things that um, just hearing John today gives me more encouragement of true partnerships that are needed desperately in order to move a lot of the things that we discussed today forward. And I guess my message is never to give up on anything that we try to build to help others because when we have the confidence in ourselves to help others, it's going to give us the right direction to go in. And I think what I heard from John today um, is very encouraging uh, because we all struggle we all want to be successful. We all want to help the veterans and, and give them everything they need uh, for all the reasons that we have in our hearts to do that. And so I'm encouraged by this show and, and what I heard today because uh, every day we, we deal with veterans with disabilities and non-veterans with disabilities. And, and it's something that we've made a major commitment for 117 years and, and we're going to continue to do that. All right. Well, thank you. And John, what would you like to leave, leave in closing here? Well, uh, it's the struggles that we all have in, in the partnerships that, even just in the partnerships that we have with MSCCN, Casey, and, and Givenhour, those took us two years to develop to develop the trust within each each other's organizations, to know each other, and to get to know that none of us are, all of us are quality organizations. That's two years in the making. And when we step forward and and actually put it in process, we all agreed that we were all going to work together. But charities don't have two years to do that. You know, it, it takes a great deal of, of one-on-ones and, and, and having that. Having, uh, uh, inviting other organizations to, and what Tony was referring to or what you were alluding to was um, the, the donor deflection. You know, if I partner with you, are you going to try to take my donors because now I'm introducing you to them? You know, all of these problems was what I was encountering. And... I would love to take this moment to thank Ron Darty and Darty Solutions, who looked at our organization, trusted what we were doing, and used his technical IT people and their technical know-how to make this software, and to make the software at our direction. Not something that they wanted to create, but something that a 72-year-old inventory volunteer manager who has been using the software, inventoried over 1.7 million donated items, valued at $9.4 million in one year, and she still uses a flip phone. <laughs> she does not like computers. <laughs> but we designed the software for that type of a person, for charities to be able to use and to make it user-friendly. Darty Solutions has done everything that that imaginable to make this thing work, make it work-friendly, make it user-friendly, and to make it where it's affordable to charities to, to get into the, to the network is only $250 a year. Most charities pay that in paper. That's but right. now we know how to network with you, and you can receive referrals, and you can send us referrals. So I want to thank Darty and the goal for Heroes Care and what we're doing in, in bringing this, this to the forefront is that I never want to have one of my soldiers be told no again. I'm trying to develop something that's going to last long past me, long past you know, heroes care and, and generations to come, 
so that the next conflict, the next time we have to call up our Guard and Reserve, we're not scrambling. We already have civilian charities that are doing things. We can overlap that with the, with the collaboration of a military organization. They can do those connectivity parts. But there is already a structure in place. The next time we go to war, these men and women don't have to go through these same struggles. We have to make it better for the next group, learn from our mistakes, and make it better for the next generation. That's true. Uh, John, when is it, when is it going to happen? When is it a grand opening? <laughs> January 15th is the launch date. All right. And, and what's your URL? Um, Heroes Care, H-E-R-O-E-S, care.org. And you can reach me at president at heroescare.org. All right. And Bill? Well, gentlemen, this has been a very significant program today. I think we have launched something together today with two great organizations. And, Gary, as you know, we we know of other organizations out there that I think that uh, we can have some some, uh, additional introductions to uh, John and Tony uh, that can be, uh, you know, some added components here to make this thing work. But... Today's show, I think, leads us into that direction. I thank you very much for being a part of the show, and uh, we look forward to having you uh, back again real soon. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen, for being on the American Heroes Network Radio. Thanks to all our listeners and supporters. And remember, we spotlight and promote the best available information of interest to America's veterans and their families anytime, anywhere, and on any mobile device. I'm Gary Ray, along with my co-host, Bill, and our guests, Tony and John. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you next week. Be safe out there. Thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of American Heroes Network. Please join Gary Ray again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. We are America.